0: When Jesus was here on earth, he called his disciples and all the rest who would come after them like us. He called them to live their lives with him. He once said that he was like a shepherd and they were like sheep. We're like sheep. And and in those days, shepherds didn't drive around in Land Rovers. They were actually with their sheep all the time. And to be looked after by a shepherd was to be with them and to know them near them. And the Bible says that that's how we're to live with God. And the Bible is full of examples of people who live with God, just like that. And we've been thinking over the last few weeks about one of them from the Old Testament, a man called Elijah, a man who was a prophet, someone who preached God's word, who brought God's word to Israel, the nation that he lived in, God's special people who'd uh, gone away from him, and he was a prophet. The last time we uh, met Elijah, you may remember, he had run away, he was scared, uh, he had kind of come to the end of everything. His life was threatened and he was ready to give up. He was disappointed and he was on his own. But he discovered that he was on his own with God because God was with him. Do you remember that Elijah was looked after by God. Elijah discovered that it's possible to be alone and to be alone with God. You know, we discover that, too, in our lives, that we can be alone with God. Well, back in the story of Elijah, after a long sleep, Elijah sets out on a long walk. It's a journey he's going. It's going to take about six weeks. uh, That's as long as a school holiday. So it's quite a long way, although he was walking. But it was still a very long way. And he was going to a place called uh, Horeb, Mount Horeb. It was God's special place that the Israelites knew it as God's mountain. It was the place where Moses had met with God in a bush that wouldn't stop burning. It was the place where the Ten Commandments were given. And Moses goes there and finds himself in a cave, goes to sleep. It's cold at night in the desert. He gets some shelter in a cave. And there God's word came to him again. God spoke to him, asked him a question asked him what he was doing there and Elijah gave an honest reply and God says to Elijah look what you need to do is to be right there with me right now and I'm going to meet you outside on the mountain so Elijah did what God said he went outside and he waited on the side of the mountain for God as it were to come along and then he heard this wind A huge wind began to blow and maybe Elijah thought, wow, that's like what happened when God uh, made the Red Sea go dry so the Israelites could go through. There was a great wind. Surely God's coming. Here comes the wind. But God wasn't there. And then there came an earthquake. The mountain began to move and shake and bits of rocks fell off. And again, Elijah must have thought, wow, wow. This is the mountain where God gave the Ten Commandments. The mountain shook then. Surely God is here now. But he wasn't. It was just an earthquake. And then there was fire. No, I don't know how that happened, but there was like fire around Elijah. And it must have been terrifying. And Elijah must have thought, wow, that's what happened on this mountain where God came and met with Moses in a bush that was on fire and wouldn't stop burning. But God wasn't there and then as Elijah waited he heard a really quiet voice like a gentle whisper and Elijah knew that was the Lord just speaking quietly just for him and he knew it was God and he wrapped his kind of face in his clothes and he worshipped you know Elijah learned something that day Elijah learned that God is really powerful. He can bring earthquakes, wind and fire. Well, Elijah already knew that. But there was something Elijah learned that was greater than God's power. And that was his love, his kindness, that God just wanted to be there for Elijah, just for him, to speak quietly to him. You know, we call that grace. God's kindness, God's love. And then Elijah gets the same question from God. What are you doing here, Elijah? And again, Elijah can be really honest with God. And we can be really honest with God. And that's called confession. Confession, being honest with God about ourselves, about our questions, about when we've done wrong. We can do that. We can listen to God We can be honest with God because we can know that his love is more special than his power. What a great God we have that we can be alone with him and listen to him and confess and be truthful with him. We'll learn a bit more about that later on. So we're back together again. I hope you had a good break. We had a great holiday uh, down in the southwest and we're back uh, looking into our series of living with God. What does it mean to live with God? What are the practical kind of elements that go to make that up? And we've been basing our, our reflections, our learning from the Bible on the story of Elijah. And we're doing that because in the New Testament in James, we're told that Elijah is an example he was a man just like us and he prayed and there were other things about his life with God that we can learn from too. That phrase life with God is a a great um, summary of what the Christian life is all about living with God and I've been really helped by a book that I came across called um, With that's it just called With by an American writer called Sky Jethani and uh, i can highly recommend it to you just try and get hold of one if you like Uh, get it online you know usual places and it's just very helpful in in boiling down what is the essential kind of ingredient to being a believer is living with god and last time we were thinking about solitude as one of those ways that we live with god which means that we are alone with ourselves and with god And here we see from Elijah's example that his solitude led on to something else. It led him to a place of honesty with God. We saw those questions that he was given and the answers he gave and God's response. So solitude led to confession and the confession led to a completely new start for Elijah. So solitude, being alone with myself and God, is the kind of place where confession happens. You know, when we when we grow something in a a petri dish, you know, scientists do that, you have a a culture in which the thing you're trying to develop can grow. Uh, And solitude is the culture out of which so much else grows. Solitude are us, me being alone with myself and God. Out of that culture, other things grow like confession and prayer and, and simplicity. And obedience, all of these things kind of come out of solitude, ultimately. And today we're thinking about confession, because confession is at the centre of this story. At the heart of it, we see Elijah being really honest with himself and with God. And we see God's response to that and Elijah's restoration and healing So here we are then as we begin we meet a broken and an empty elijah this elijah who ran away who was terrified of jezebel who was exhausted probably after a day's running and before that the big encounter on mount carmel emotionally it must have drained him but even more significant i think is that he's disappointed because i think he thought that as we shall see later that once that happened at Mount Carmel and once the Israel said the Lord, he is God. Once he got rid of some of the prophets of Baal, Elijah thought everything would be fine. That's it. Job done. But it wasn't because Jezebel can threaten him. Ahab is still in power and nothing really has changed. And Elijah must have been so disappointed. And then on top of that, he was guilty because he had thought that he was better than his father's, his ancestors. And he actually says doesn't he To god look i'm i'm no better than them so we see this broken empty elijah but we see also god's grace in his brokenness and we see it in the way the lord comes along sends that angel to him and gives him the the the, the beautifully freshly baked bread and the, and the and the water and and that happens twice And we see God's care in the journey that he then takes to the mountain of Horeb. Now, why does he go to Horeb? I don't believe it's because God told him to. Um, It was something else. The reason I don't believe it was that what God had told him to do, two reasons. One is in the story of Elijah. Always when um, Elijah is told to do something, it says the word of the Lord came to Elijah and, and God tells him what to do. And that is distinctly missing in this uh, incident, uh, and 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 we know as well that Elijah wasn't exactly in a great place to receive that. And also, when he gets to the cave, there's this question: What are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah, if could have answered, if God had sent, told him, he, he could have said, "Well, I'm here, Lord, because you told me to come here." But he was there because of another reason. But he gets to Horeb, and the word of the Lord comes to him again and asked him that question what are you doing here Elijah and we see God's grace in his dealings with Elijah God's repeated love shown to him lots of times in the book of Elijah uh, in the story of Elijah you see God doing things more than once this question comes more than once He, he doesn't just have one meal back there in the desert it's more than once He has two places where he's provided for earlier in the story. We see God coming back to Elijah and showing his love. And when we're broken, when we're at the end of ourselves, when we're disappointed, we can know God's grace. God's grace hasn't abandoned us in our brokenness as God's grace hadn't abandoned Elijah either. God's grace is there in his brokenness and it's there in the question He's allowed to answer honestly. And we read that in this passage. Then there is grace in God's presence. So Elijah comes to Horeb. He spends the night in the cave. And the word of the Lord comes to him, as we saw, with that question. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. Elijah gives this honest answer it's here in verse 10 of the passage he replied says Elijah I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty the Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too that's what Elijah was doing there he felt like he was the only one left He'd been zealous for God. He'd expected God's glory once the fire had fallen. He'd expected everything to change. And it hadn't changed. You can see and feel and and hear the disappointment in Elijah's voice there. It's only me. There's nobody else left. I've I've kind of had it. Elijah had come back to Mount Horeb with those questions. He'd come back to base, as it were. He came back to the place where... God first appeared to Moses where the Ten Commandments were there, and he comes with that question. And as we saw, God's response was to tell him to go and stand on the mountain. And we saw that earlier. And as he's there on the mountain, he sees God's presence, not in the wind and the earthquake and the fire, Not in the way that he expected, not in the way that he was used to. After all, I mean, Elijah was the fireman. He was the one who who brought rain on the earth and the wind came then. But he saw God's grace in this personal response, the personal whisper. And then comes the question a second time. Now he knows why he can be honest. Grace enables that. Grace for us Grows confession. Once we realize God's kindness, God's love, God's mercy, God's willingness to forgive, then that paves the way for us to confess. 1 John says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's why we can confess, because we know that God is faithful. He will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then God quietly answers Elijah. And we see another kind of sign of God's grace, God's grace in a new beginning for Elijah. Because in verse 15, he tells Elijah, there's another job to do. See, Elijah thought it was all over in more ways than one. But God says to him, Elijah, it's not all over. God shows Elijah. Elijah, that his purposes are, are hugely bigger than Elijah's expectations. It's all going to move to altogether to larger scale, and it's seen in these verses here about how he he tells Elijah to go back the way you came, go to the desert of Damascus, that's Aram or Syria. When you get there, I want you to anoint Hazael, king over Aram, and Jehu, king over Israel and then he says Elisha is going to succeed you uh, and you can anoint Elisha to be with you what God is saying to Elijah is you thought it was just one thing Elijah but actually my purposes are much bigger than you had any inkling on you've done your part you've done what you had to do now now the, the 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 mission continues the war goes on and I've got a new part for you to play God will sort Israel out, he tells Elijah. It's not up to you, Elijah. I've got it covered. You've done your part. Now continue with me in what I have for you to do. He says, I'm going to be, act, I will be acting, says God. God says there, is, there will be at the end of all this at least 7,000 people who don't bow the knees to bow. Now, whether that's a literal number or the word seven in the Bible is a bit of a word of, a number of perfection but this idea of the elijah you think you're the only one but you're not and you won't be because i've got it elijah it's what god says there's something much bigger and there's a new beginning for you he can carry on you see carmel the famine they were one battle in a much bigger war a war that the lord will win for the hearts of israel And ultimately for his glory. And it's out of that confession, that honesty before God, that Elijah receives this grace for a new beginning. Well, what can we learn about confession? Honesty with God, with our questions, we can be honest. We can acknowledge our sin. We can allow him to answer these questions or sit with him in the silence when when we don't know what the answers are or when we just simply have to trust him. This confession, this solitude that leads to open honesty with God, has to be part of our lives as we live with God. And it's only possible because we know his grace. It's a response to his love. Because this grace flowing through confession is to be shared with others. You see, Elijah's story was told. How do we get it in our Bibles? Uh, Is it just kind of dictated by God or by an angel like the Quran is uh, claimed to be? No. Where does this story come from? It must have initially come from Elijah. Elijah must have told it. He must have told Elisha when he goes along to uh, recruit Elisha to be with him. That's a great touch, isn't it? That God gives Elijah a companion to train, someone to work with, someone to share with. So this grace is shared. Uh, We don't know what the conversation might be, but I can imagine as Elijah... And Elisha gets to know uh, one another and uh, you can read the story. Elisha must have said, so so what made you come and what made you come and throw your, your mantle over me so that I should become uh, the next prophet? And Elijah says, well, it happened like this, Elijah. I, I was at the end of myself and I confessed to God and he told me what to do and he showed me and so on and so on and so on. And that's how we've got the story. It must have come from Elijah because this grace in Elijah's confession is shared. We have it today. Elijah had it and the book of James James 5 says this it's in the context of that reference to Elijah it says in in verse um, uh, verse uh, 16 therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed then it goes on to talk about the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective and it goes on to speak about Elijah so it says confess your sins to each other pray for each other so that you will be healed we have a privilege of helping one another confession is something yeah we're honest to god that's the key thing but we can be honest with one another as well we can declare um, god's forgiveness to to one another it's the privilege we have jesus said to his disciples whoever sins you forgive are forgiven so we can kind of declare that forgiveness as we confess to one another you know sometimes there are some things that we can do wrong there are some deep things that actually are very hard for us even to kind of admit but we come to another trusted brother or sister we share with them they pray with us and we receive god's healing that's why it's important that we are part of a smaller group maybe a group of two or three others that you can share deeply with. Because confession is part of our life together, not just as our life alone with God. We live with God and we live with him together. Richard Foster in uh, the seminal book uh, the, uh, about spiritual disciplines says this. He, he says that confession it's not comfortable for us we we run away from that it's the last thing you'd want to do in most evangelical churches we don't believe the idea of being open about uh, our sins to one another doesn't fill us with uh joy or or, or, or um kind of something we want to do you know who's going to confess their sins first it's not you know hands don't go up in that way and he says you know the reason for that is that um We see ourselves as a fellowship of saints. You know, good Christian folk, people who've got everything all sorted out, people who've got all the answers. And and he goes on to say it's not. We are not a fellowship of saints. We are a fellowship of sinners. That's why we become Christians. We're all in the same boat together. And if we see ourselves as a fellowship of sinners we're not thinking well everyone you know is i'm worse than everyone else they're all so great they've all got it so sorted i can't possibly confess my faults then it stops but if we realize that we're all sinners together then confession makes so much sense philip yancey wrote a brilliant book his first big book what's so amazing about grace and he tells a story there of someone who Uh, Who experienced the the openness of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous group, where everybody started with the, the same place. They were all admitting that they were struggling. And he goes on to say, why can't the church be like that? Why can't we begin with, hello, I'm John, I'm a sinner, rather than, hi, I'm John, I'm the pastor. Something to think about. Confession, how we live our life with God. Being honest to God, honest with each other, because like Elijah, we know that we have found God's grace. And out of that loving kindness and forgiveness and care for us, as we confess our questions, our sins, we receive his help. So we receive, like Elijah did, a new perspective, a bigger picture than we thought we had And we can hear like Elijah did, God saying, get up and go with me to where I want you to go and live for me where I want you to live and live with me. Let's listen to the shepherd as we're open with him and with one another. The Lord bless you.